When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 179, Svelte All The Things. The appropriate, an appropriate title, one might say. Uh, I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff all pertaining to Svelte. That includes why Svelte is awesome, what is Svelte, and major Svelte milestones. What have they been up to, things like Svelte Kit and other things like that. This is a Mike-heavy episode, so I'm going to hand it off to him in a second, but... If that sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Share this with your friends. And now, Mike, I'm going to hand over the microphone to you to take it away and tell us what Svelte is. Thank you for the microphone. Uh, so we've had a couple Svelte episodes. Uh, I think everyone knows that we're kind of a Svelte shop at this point uh, because not only have we had a couple Svelte episodes, but we've even created a course around Svelte called Svelte for Beginners. I'll talk a little bit about that during this. Just know that there's going to be some self-plug in there, uh, warning. But um, really, the reason I wanted to do a follow-up episode and, and talk about Svelte as a whole is because for the last – I don't know, four months now, I've made multiple production projects using Svelte and Svelte Kit. So I have a much better understanding of it, not only as like a framework compared to Vue or React, but as just a tool for development in general. And I want to give my view on it. I've also been able to connect with the Svelte community a lot, uh, some of the Svelte society people. So I know a lot about the Svelte internals. I know a lot about how Svelte was created. And I just... I have a better perspective than I did, I don't know how many episodes ago that we did the other Svelte episode, right? So it is a great framework and I wanted to kind of give you a quick overview on what Svelte is. I'm not going to go deeply into it because again, like I said, we did have a few episodes earlier where we went to a lot of detail about what Svelte is and how it's better than React and uh, what makes it different. So I'm not going to go too, too under the hood here, but I did want to give an overview just in case you're just starting to listen to this podcast and you haven't listened to those episodes. So Svelte is a JavaScript framework similar to React and Vue. It is a framework designed for the UI for you to create reactive layouts. What's a reactive layout? Well, it's a layout that relies on user input or user data to build itself. So if you have a blog post, for instance, the page that you are on might not know how many blog posts you, you have. So when you're building a static site, you wouldn't be able to you know create the exact amount of blocks that you need for every blog uh, unless you do it statically. But with a reactive framework, what you can do is essentially kind of loop over your each and every blog in your JSON response and create an element for that blog. And it has all the tooling built in to be able to do that right in the HTML almost. So it allows you to react to data. It allows you to have users react with your site and automatically generate some content there based on their reactions. It allows you to do conditional rendering, looping, 
everything kind of that you would need to do in, in, in HTML and JavaScript and CSS. And Svelte in particular is a framework that does that in a very, very, I, I want to say simple way because it has the least amount of boilerplate out of all the other frameworks that I mentioned before, right? So compared to Vue, React, and even Angular, obviously, as well in that in these frameworks, Svelte is the one that I would say closest to how regular vanilla JavaScript, HTML, and CSS look. And there's a lot of positives to that. And that's why when I made the switch going from Vue, my main framework of maybe a year and a half ago, to Svelte, my main framework now, it was because of this kind of simplicity, among other things that I'll talk about in why Svelte is awesome segment, which is coming up right now. Uh, but really, again, it's all about how you create UI UIs. There's many different ways you can create UIs. Uh, we've done it, you know, statically, where you just literally write HTML, CSS, and JavaScript files. But with a framework like Svelte, it allows you to do some really complex stuff in like one line of code. How how does that affect how heavy it is? So I know when I was trying Svelte out a while ago now, it was known as a pretty lightweight framework. But when you add things like uh like like what you just said, a a very a very large amount of complexity in a very small amount of space, in this case a very short amount of lines, generally it becomes I mean generalized and then it becomes really bloated because the software, depending on what Com- what complexities are being done. The software has to assume a lot of things and has to prepare a lot of things by itself. And so how bloated or is there not a lot of bloating in Svelte now as of today? So it's it's very lightweight in terms of a JavaScript framework. It's as lightweight as you can get <clears throat> because one of the things that it has is that it, it compiles itself away. So when you're creating Svelte code for production, you don't actually have any Svelte inside of your code base. What it does is it essentially creates your document.create elements. It, it, it creates a JavaScript file that can build you the layout that you need and react to the changes that it's waiting for you to react. So there's no extra, com- extra package in there that doesn't need to be there. So it's very, very compact. It's very, very fast. Having said that, obviously, if you create a very specified site, like a landing page or like a really simple site, and you just use HTML, for instance, and CSS, it could be slightly faster, but we're talking like milliseconds, like very, very, very tiny things in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, in the sense of SEO, in the sense of low, like perception for, from the user, in the sense of low network connectivity, no one would know the difference. So we're talking if you have like a metric, a measure of milliseconds, you might be able to save some if you write very efficient HTML code. But the other thing that kind of Svelte gives you is it extrapolates away a lot of the stuff that you could get wrong in JavaScript on a regular site and writes it in a very efficient way on its own. So it actually, for the most part, will probably write a, a site better than you can unless you're a very, very dedicated JavaScript developer that knows how to write like low-level JavaScript code, then obviously you'd be better. But for the most part, and I'm talking, I'm generalizing here, it's probably going to do a better job than we can in terms of especially any sort of reactivity and DOM manipulation. Let me ask you a question about this. Um, What would you say, this is almost a content idea, but Okay, I don't know how to really describe this fully, but do you remember when we were in school 
and we were learning to do, this is going to sound off topic, but it isn't. And we were learning to do network diagrams. So we were doing things like, here's the symbol or the iconography for a router. Here's the icon for a switch. Here's the icon for a lead. There's the, et cetera, et cetera. Here's how, and then, and then it, it came in waves. So then it was like, okay, now you need to label them. This is how you label the IPs and this is how you label this and this is how you label that. Okay, this is how you use these diagrams in order to learn how to do networking. So you, are you going to use RIP? Are you going to use RIP v2, which are protocols uh, for routing information? And there's a bunch more than that, of course, that type of thing. Do you remember like that sort of, uh, I don't know, tiered learning, I guess you could call it? I think so. I th- Like when I we th- were in networking <clears throat> class. Yes, sure. So like, so like there's like a tiered learning there. What would you say to like, and this is, and I mean, like if someone listening to this, like maybe they'll, maybe they, maybe this already exists. So you could like send me the link, but I feel as though when it comes to frameworks, especially when you're learning the vanilla side of things or when you're most familiar with the vanilla side of things, I feel as though there, there should be, or I, I wish there was, maybe I should say a way to easily compare between the two. We hear a lot of things like VDOMs and this and that, and this compiles and this does that, and this does this, but there's no, or at least I don't feel like there is, there's no tiered learning. There's tiered learning in the framework. So there's the sort of my first app or my first website of a lot of different frameworks and APIs and stuff like that out there. But when it comes to web development, web development is, I would say, sort of atypical in that you kind of have this vanilla set of uh, files, HTML, CSS, JS. And then there's obviously some backend stuff, PHP and other things. And you have this sort of vanilla set that the browser and servers understand. But we are coding, when you're talking about frameworks and stuff, we're coding in a different ecosystem that effectively boils itself down into these vanilla elements. Because the browser itself unless something's changed that I am unaware of, doesn't understand what a, what a Svelte file is, doesn't understand what a React file is. It, it doesn't understand. It doesn't know. So everything gets compiled or there's various ways to boil our various frameworks, felt and otherwise, down into these vanilla elements, if you will, these vanilla pieces of this of this thing. And so I feel as though there there would be great value in in literally having like a comparison blog post or or chart or something like a comparison app or something where it it literally says on the dom if you want to make a header you would do like vanilla wise you would go you know h1 type your text in then end the h1 tag after that uh what you but in 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 react or in svelte or in this we do it here and and it's on a vdom and it's this and it's that and it's all over the place and I really have like a zoom in on this because one of the things that I always struggle with with this stuff is, and I know that you've said just ignore a lot of it, but a lot of these terms come up and I have no idea what we're talking about. And I feel as though I'm not using my previous knowledge of vanilla, although I am, but not as much as I could be when I'm trying to learn Svelte or when I'm, even when I'm doing something like bootstrap, Bootstrap technically isn't like a thing that the browser made. It's kind of like a, or it, it, like it's a, it's a, like a UI framework or UI kit or whatever you want to call it that allows you to spin up a UI quickly. But you have to learn the ins and outs of, of, of Bootstrap 
in order to understand that. But if you don't, if, if you don't under, in order to use it, but if you don't understand CSS classes yet, and you just go right into Bootstrap, you don't, you don't know what classes are. And so if you try to then say, okay, you know what, I, I, you know, I'm done with Bootstrap, I want to go somewhere else, I would say that you might struggle between the two because there's no, like, I feel as though there's no comparison between the two. It's like the comparisons that are done are done at a high level between people that have done it for a couple of months, a couple of years, or on a few projects. So they have experience with Svelte, experience with React, experience with these different frameworks and UI kits. And so they're they're talking at a level of like, well, you know, I, you know, I, I like how this one doesn't have a VDOM and I like how this one doesn't have this. But there's no comparison to the vanilla, which we all effectively, whether directly or indirectly, have to respect in order for this, this website to work, right? So like, what do you think about that? Like, do you think that there, that there needs to be, or there should be uh, a place or something where we can compare our actions between this is how you would do it in vanilla. And this is how you would do it in Svelte. What's the differences? Well, there's a Dom here. There's this, and that. like, what are the differences? Tell me the differences in, in, in plain text, but build upon it. Hey, this is how you do a header in vanilla. Hey, this is how you do a header in Svelte. There's your first step. Okay, now, what's the differences? Now we can go, there's tier two. Now we can go in and talk about, okay, well, this has a DOM here, and this has a thing, and this compiles, and what does that mean? And, like, what do you think about that? So, I, th- I think <clears throat> there is a lot of value in that kind of stuff, and some of it does already exist. So, there are people out there that have built, like, a full-on to-do app in vanilla JavaScript, and then done the same thing in React, Vue, and Svelte, mm-hmm. so that you can compare across all of them. And they have the code bases there and they have like explanations and stuff like that. Like I, I've personally read that. I, I don't, I don't, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember who it was that did it, but it's probably something I could find. So there is, there is that kind of um, comparison out there existing right now. Having said that, there might still be a lot of value in providing more of those because I think you're right. I think a lot of people do get stuck on this idea of like, how do I compare? Like, why do I need to do this? Like, why, why can't I just do document.create element and loop th- through a, a, a UI thing and, and, you know, add my own listeners to, to certain el- mm-hmm. elements and, and create my own hooks for everything? And you really don't get an appreciation for it, really, until you try to do that in vanilla JavaScript. And then you write one line of code in Svelte and it does all of that for you. Right. If more efficiently. So there is a lot of value there, in my opinion. Maybe from a fresh perspective as well. Like if, if, if this is something that you would want to try to do as well, because from my perspective, it's going to be a little bit different since I've been using Svelte a lot. So I don't know the magic kind of fades into the background for me. Of course. Yeah. Whereas for you, if you go out there and like, okay, I'm going to build a simple, simple app in JavaScript, right? And you build it out, everything, everything's done. And then you do the same thing with Svelte. You'll, all of a sudden start seeing the parallels and start understanding why these JavaScript frameworks exist and why there's some like de- there's such a demand for more and more tooling because having to consider all the different ideas of like for a to-do list, all the create, edit, uh, um, delete, all the functionality, all the, hey, I've deleted this element or I've deleted this JSON opt structure, right? So like you press a button for delete. How do I update only the DOM that needs to be updated? You have to write all that custom code, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's all doable in JavaScript, but you have to write that custom code. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Svelte, it kind of takes care of that for you. And 
it'll give you a really good appreciation. And while you're doing it, documenting that journey will help people in the same spot that you're in right now, understand the value and understand how it kind of does the things that it does. So yes, I completely agree with you. Um, it's something I could do more of. I have done some comparisons, especially between React and Vue, but maybe I should add some more vanilla JavaScript comparisons to my comparisons uh, and see how that benefits people. Because it's a mu- it, it becomes a muscle memory thing, right? Is like yes. I, I work a lot in Webflow and I do like a fair bit of little custom things in Webflow. And I when I do that, I do have to do use the sort of inline tool, or at least that's what I use because it's not super complex what I'm doing. And generally, what happens is like I I'm using vanilla JavaScript because I'm in like I'm not compiling Svelte and then copying a page. Like I'm not going to try to get Svelte working in Webflow. Like I'm not going to do that. So because I'm in that universe so much, whenever someone like from and this, I'm just making this up, but like if someone from Svelte comes in and just like, ah, you know, you get 10 lines here, creating an element, signing classes and all this. Don't need that. Just do like, like create a class. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost like an advertisement to me, you know, and it's and it becomes this this thing where it's like, well, what is that? Like, how does that work? Like, what do you mean? Because JavaScript is so um, broken up. I would say like the way I kind of vision it in my head is like, you know, you create your element then you assign it a class. And you do this and that. Maybe I'm not doing it the most efficient way. But you're right. It's broken up so I can see the pieces, but then that's also inefficient in, in my writing, right? Whereas uh, in Svelte or in, in some other ecosystem, I could just do maybe one line or two lines. But like it would be nice to see because my muscle memory lies in the JavaScript vanilla verse. And so for me to be pulled out and it's like, no, no, just do this Svelte thing. I'm thinking to myself, this is a new language. Like, why would I learn this? So... You know what I mean? Like, like having the comparison to, 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 it's almost like transitioning or bridging the muscle memory between vanilla and new, newfangled thing <laughs> is, is, right. is, is a thing that I struggle with. Like the bridge, I haven't found it. Whether it's out there, maybe someone makes a bunch of good content for that. I haven't personally found it, but the bridge is, is broken. There's no bridge between my muscle memory at all. And I, and I get that. Um, I will say that. Again, one of Svelte positives is that it's not a different language. I would say that it's an enhancement of the language. So it adds, right. it adds some, it, it's almost like an addition to HTML rather than a completely separate standalone thing because you can write all the same HTML you would write in a, in a bland HTML file and it would still work. Like there is no, uh, boilerplate. Like you can, you can, in fact, you can take your HTML file and just label it .svelte. And as long as you have Svelte installed, it'll compile correctly. You don't have to do anything because right. it, it can take a regular HTML file and do some, do stuff with it and compile it correctly. So, but what it does add is adds functionality that you can use inside that HTML file all of a sudden and adds you, adds the ability to use the script tag in there right away, right? So you have all your logic kind of condensed into one file and, and adds the ability to use your, your CSS in there as well. So like it adds functionality rather than not takes away, but rather than uh, uh, changes it. That so would be the, yeah. that would be super valuable is, it, I think that one little piece actually, as small as it may sound is it, obviously when you're in vanilla, you have to have the right, um, you have to have the right extensions. If I don't label something as JS, but I write a bunch of JS in there and I throw it onto, onto a web, on a web server in general, as far as I know, it's not going to work. Uh, so I have to have all my extensions in order. So that's something that somebody using vanilla would, it's not like a big focus point because you kind of just learn it pretty quick, but 
it's something that we know. Like, hey, this needs to be JS. This needs to be HTML. This needs to be whatever. And so showing that transition into, hey, take your old thing and put it in felt. Whoa, okay. What does that do? And like that would be like a like a like there there's some there's some bridge building going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think I think another great idea will be to um, build kind of build out a project in vanilla JavaScript and then live like on a stream or in a video, take that project and without you know starting over from scratch, actually convert it to Svelte line by line almost. So that people can see like, oh, that applies directly there. Or this is where you can have more efficiency and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of good ideas there. I'm actually going to write them down. I have a notebook here uh, where we can create this kind of JS to Svelte tutorial, right? Yeah, and it's the bridge. It's, it's the bri- like if the you bridge. write down bridge, a muscle memory bridge, I think I'll remember that for myself. Right. Okay. Because so it, it, it really is a struggle point for me. I try to go do Svelte. I get pulled away on a client project and I get pulled into a vanilla thing or I get pulled into just management of a CMS or something. So I'm not even coding. And then I, I come back and it's like I've learned a tiny bit of Svelte, but now it's gone. But I've been doing vanilla for so long that I remember vanilla. And then right. I, and then when it's like, hey, like, let's rip them back into Svelte. It's like I, it's it's just that I get ripped out of vanilla and plopped into Svelte. And I, and I, I would estimate if there's people like me out there that learn the same way or whatever, I would estimate that there's people out there that are probably stressed out or even scared, not like actually terrified, I would hope, but there's people probably out there that are like scared, um, learning wise of trying a framework because it, it, it looks like and feels like a new language. It, it looks like it, it looks like something where Oh, I guess my vanilla, my time spent in vanilla, if that's what you learned first, my time spent in vanilla was just useless because I'm, I'm now over here. It's the same. It's almost like the same argument. I've had a few conversations with people about Webflow and people will just jump right into Webflow. And I always tell them, I don't know how you jumped right into Webflow. I learned for for the most part, uh, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that you do in, in, in Webflow is you use your seat and my in my experience, a lot of HTML and CSS knowledge. You, you don't write display flex, but you click display flex button. I've said that a million times on the show, so I'm not going to get super into it. But to me, that's how I do it. I'm using my old muscle memory and I just know where the buttons are. So when I was learning Webflow, I was just learning where the buttons were. But I was still using the same muscle memory. That's why Webflow was so so quick for me to pick up. But I, I to be honest with you, I don't know how you would... Like, I'm sure it's possible and I'm sure people have done it, but I don't know how you would possibly learn just Webflow. Like, it's so it's such a backwards learning thing to me. Obviously, it's possible people have done it. But I can't imagine going in and clicking buttons like Display Flex and they just memorize what Display Flex does in Webflow without realizing that that's actually a a quote unquote command or more specifically a property within CSS. And they could actually use that on like, quote unquote, like vanilla code, if you will, like an HTML and CSS website. Like they could, they could take that knowledge and like put that out there. And I, I would estimate a lot of people in Webflow don't know that. They probably don't know that that's, that what they're doing is CSS. Sure, there's a bunch that do. There's probably a bunch that don't. And to me, that's just so backwards. I'm like, man, I can't get out of there. So the, building these bridges between muscle memories is so critical, I would say. I know we're off topic now, but like this just came into my, my, thought process. So I thought I'd bring it up. No, I think it's important. I think it's an important topic to cover in general. And that's why a lot of the content around even my Svelte for Beginners course and the stuff that I'm going to be doing after that um, 
is very targeted towards people like you, Matt, and people that are just having that, having trouble making that jump into frameworks Mm -hmm. and uh, are scared of it or are just kind of just don't want to do it for whatever reason. I just, I want to make it so that it's very straightforward. So like if you're creating a project that needs a framework, you're going to be more than willing to kind of make that jump. So I'm, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from and trying to understand where everyone else is coming from because there's different perspectives on this and trying to create content around that. One of the things that I want to do is create a, a fundamental JavaScript course designed for people learning, like wanting to learn frameworks uh, because there are certain elements of JavaScript that are more important than others when you're talking about, you know, iterating over data and uh, doing conditional rendering and stuff like that. There is there's just different things in JavaScript that are more important than others. So I want to highlight those things and make sure that people understand them enough and then show how it directly affects your ability to, to you know, transition into the framework. So. That could help, but again, it's not just a one thing. Like, there's going to have to be multiple things that you have to do to get through this, like to get through the bridge and to get your muscle memory working in a new framework. Because although it isn't a new language, it is an enhancement that you have to learn. So it's not as straightforward as like, oh, I'm just going to pick it up because there is developer tooling around it, and there is obviously syntax that you have to follow to do certain things. So. Having said that, um, I think that was a good discussion. I think let's move right on to why Svelte is awesome. And again, I've had a great time using Svelte. I've, I have a good comparison metric with Vue. I have used React, not a ton, but I have used it. So I understand where these frameworks lay, lie. And I understand kind of the value of Svelte at this point, because again, I've used it on multiple production projects. I've deployed it, uh, start to finish. I've connected it to a database, all that fun stuff. So. Just to jump right into it, and I've already mentioned this, no boilerplate. I think this is a really, really big one uh, because it allows you to kind of jump into a Svelte Svelte file and have less of that shock that Matt's talking about where you have to understand like, oh, this is is exactly how you have to formulate your your file so that it, it can be rendered by your Svelte renderer. Or this is exactly how you have to use the set state if you're talking about React so that there can be a immediate transition for reactivity so that uh, when something changes in your JavaScript, it can automatically be represented in your HTML. Like this is exactly how you have to do it. With Svelte, it's very, it looks exactly like vanilla JavaScript. So you're literally writing like let, as soon as you, as you declare a variable inside of your script tags, it becomes available as a reactive variable inside of your HTML. You don't have to specify that it is a reactive variable like with uh, React and Vue. So that's the kind of example that I want to bring up because it's it takes away some of that headache and burden on you to learn not only um, reactivity and frameworks, but to learn also the boilerplate that goes around with them. Another thing that it does really well uh, or another thing that separates it out and why it's awesome in my opinion is also there's no virtual DOM. So Matt was saying VDOM, VDOM this, VDOM that, it's a buzzword and all that. But really what it is is that how Vue and React do their updates to the DOM is they literally create a virtual a virtual version of it and then do a diff comparison with what's changed in the virtual with the real one and then only change what's changed, right? So it is very efficient and it's a great way to do it, but it's not using the traditional way of creating the DOM 
which is using the JavaScript, you know, document.createElement, child nodes, and all that. What Svelte does is it goes back to the root elements and actually does convert your DOM manipulation methods to straight DOM manipulation JavaScript. There is no virtual DOM. If you look at the code that is generated by Svelte, you'll see a bunch of append child. You'll see a bunch of document.createElements. You'll see a bunch of code that you can actually read as a JavaScript developer. So I like that. It's not to say that the code is really easy to read that's generated, but if you need to go in there and understand something, it's absolutely doable. Whereas with other frameworks, the generated code is even more complex because it does this diff comparison. There's a whole engine behind it that has to kind of compare it efficiently and quickly and effectively. Whereas with, again, with Svelte, there is no engine. With that, uh, there's also a really, really fast dev server that's associated with Svelte. So it has rollup to handle its deploy, um, development server, and it has uh, vit to do all the package handling, right? Vit is extremely fast. It has server, like it uses server side, um, sorry, it, shoot. You know what? It's slipping my mind. It's not server side rendering. Uh, it uses something else to, oh, uh, hot module reloading, my bad. So it uses hot module reloading to be able to, to switch in files. And so when you update a, a regular Svelte file, instead of rebuilding the entire project and then refreshing your page on the server so that when you're doing live reloading, you can have a good experience, uh, it only refreshes the one component that you edited. And it keeps all the other ones the same that were not touched. So it, it's able to do it really, really quickly. That's built in by default to, to Svelte and it's how it's built. And although it does add a little bit of complexity when importing some uh, packages, some older packages. Uh, it's all doable because it, it does have backwards compatibility with most of everything. And the advantage that it brings you in terms of compile time and refreshing speed of your dev server is massive. There's just, there's really no comparison. I, I had one situation where I had a pretty big view project that was using Webpack and it would take me like three to five seconds on every reload, on every save. With I switched it to Vit and Svelte, and it would take me zero point like three seconds to do the same kind of reload and save. Like that's the that's the difference. It's a it's an exponential difference in terms of speed. And obviously those five seconds can add up if you're doing a lot of changes, uh, so it can save you a lot of time. With that, it, there's also a really small package size with Svelte, so you don't have to worry about your package getting too big. You don't have to worry about uh, lower speed connections having issue downloading the actual logic files because they have that extra, like I was saying before, they have that virtual DOM management and they have the actual like compiler section. Uh, this compiles away, so it makes a really small package size. It's very, very quick. It has a very good developer experience and developer tooling across all the major IDEs. I use uh, VS Code but I know it also has stuff for WebStorm and it also has stuff for all the other ones. So it's able to do the right syntax highlighting. It's able to integrate great with VIT and the, the tooling system. Everything kind of works really well already. It's, it's mature, even though it's been around less time than the other frameworks. Is it, is it VIT, VITE, VIT? Like, what is it? Like V-I-T-E. I think it's VIT. I think it's VIT. It's VIT. Not vit. I keep saying vit. I used to say vite, but it's a uh, it's a French word, so okay. it, I th I think it's vit. I think you're right. It's vit. I, I 
I'm not correcting you. I'm asking. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I don't blame you. It's it's one of those situations like Deno and De- Dino or whatever. Like it's it's just a, it's a weird it's a word in our in our space that just or vu and view. Like which one is it? Um, I personally don't care if people mis mispronounce it because who cares? Gif and Jif. I don't care. Uh, but some people get really oh, upset. Oh man, I never it. thought of that. You never thought and, of GIF and JIF? No, 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 GIF and JIF. I say JIF. Um, and I've been called out for it, but then I've been called out for the other one, so I don't care now. Um, no, I don't care either. But VU and VU, I never, I always just said VU, never thinking that it is actually VU. Like it it's looks, VU, yeah. it so- sounded out, it's, it's VU. It is VU, yeah, but I say VU. And so do I. Probably because of you, maybe. Oh man, I never. That's I don't, yeah, that, that. That's weird. I don't know. That's weird. Now I don't dude, know. There's a lot of them in, in for some whatever reason in web development. When people choose package names, they they try to get really fancy, and it causes this kind of stuff. I, I like Svelte. Another reason <laughs> is because it's just an English ver- word, and there's no way to mispronounce it. So thank you, Svelte, for doing that. Uh, <laughs> carrying on here, uh, Svelte Kit. I kind of just want to make a hard to. Like, I kind of just want to make even something as simple as a template <laughs> and just make it impossible. Like, it's not even a word in any language. It's just non- it's just it's just nonsense. Kurtifus. And then I just like, where did you get where'd you come up with that? <laughs> well, like, yeah. why was that so quick? It was like, how did you did you have you been waiting? Like, is this your moment where you're like, I've Kurtifus? got it. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I just literally came up with that. I don't know idea, but it's a terrible one. So I'll I'll. I'm not even that. sure what you said. Like the end of the word is gone. Like my brain stops processing about 50% Curtifis, of the words. Curtifis is just, I think that was the word. Do you know In what its that? full form. Someone can use that if is they Is that want. a real word? It is not a real word. <laughs> I just came, I just randomly made it up to confuse you and to add to your argument. The thing <laughs> is, the thing is, is that those are one of those words, you know, when you're talking to somebody and they're saying something real simple, like, don't worry, like, I'll grab the groceries. But like, so it's a very like sort of plain statement. Like it's something that, you know, we could, we could, we, people, somebody would say it's not something complex. Um, don't worry, I'll get the groceries. But like you keep hearing them, but you just like you hear them, but you can't hear them where you're like, I don't know what you just said. Like it's like your brain turns off for processing. It's like that word you just made up for some reason, like turns off my processing for some reason. <laughs> it's like, it's like I can't hear the last half of it. It's sort of like, I hear the noise. I know that you have spoken, but I don't know what you said. It's, oh, it's weird. Don't like it. I just spelt it. I just, I just wrote it down just so I know that I can kind of turn your brain off when I need to. Curtis well, is just. But like, <laughs> watch it'll be like a word in like some other language for like groceries or something. Like just something simple. I really doubt that curtifisages is a word know. for groceries in <laughs> other know. languages. I don't think it is. It's just a random made-up word that was made up on the spot. But I have written it down to screw up, screw around with you. I'm gonna bring it into the conversation randomly just to kind of just to shut you down. I think that I think it'll. Oh work. my god! Like just yeah, yeah, yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna shut down that new for framework, and I'll be like, well, it doesn't have the curtifisages, and you know, like, and I'll just continue on as if nothing happened. And you're you're probably gonna just be like broken i'm gonna break you you're gonna if, if i'm being annoying in a meeting asking too many questions like give me give us a second here matt say the word because i don't know how to say it and then and then like it, it's a, there's like what and then i'm just like stunned at that point <laughs> yeah yep it, it'll be our secret code word for shut up or something like that oh boy all right <laughs> with that let's move on to svelte kit so 
Something that I didn't talk a lot about or pretty much anything about in the last time we did this, we did a Svelte episode is SvelteKit. And that's because I just didn't have enough time to play around with it. I've had enough time at this point, like I've built multiple projects with it. So I have quite a bit to say. But really, what I really like about SvelteKit as opposed to maybe Nuxt or Next.js is the fact that it's not a completely different paradigm. It's still very much Svelte. It just adds a little bit of simplicity to complex things. Again, it's like an addition to Svelte more than it is. It's the same way that Svelte is an addition to maybe HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. SvelteKit is just that same kind of small addition where it just gives you a little bit more to play with and simplifies some things like routing for you, some things like API routes, like serverless functions for you. Uh, it simplifies prefetching. Like I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, it, it makes server-side rendering possible. So you're able to kind of render your pages on the web, on, on the server and then send them to your like your, your client fully rendered, which is really great for obviously SEOs because when a crawler can go through your site and they see a fully rendered HTML structure rather than just a JavaScript uh, file that renders the page dynamically, they're going to be able to index it a little bit better. Um, I know Google says that they can still do uh, regular rendering, like uh, client-side rendering, but from what I've seen, maybe this has changed recently, but from what I've seen, it still prefers server-side rendered sites. And you can you can kind of equate a server-side rendered site to just a regular static HTML and CSS website because that's what's served, HTML and CSS, rather than just a bunch of JavaScript. So that's kind of what Svelte gives you out of the box. Um, and it also just really handles the the production deployments really well. It handles environment variables really easily. Like it just gives you so much simplicity from start to finish of a project. And I think that's missed a lot inside of tutorials and guides and stuff like that, because a lot of tutorials and guides will show you, hey, look, look at these, all these awesome functions of Svelte or Svelte Kit, but they don't show you like, what's that extra step to get it live? Or what's that, you know, what's that first step to make a, a really good foundation for your project? And I think, the basic SvelteKit foundation even is a really great place to start for any sort of site, whether it be a landing page or a more complex multi-page site with a blog and a headless CMS edition and stuff like that. So personally, I've gone to switch over to using only SvelteKit. I don't use Svelte anymore personally, like as separately because it gives you everything that Svelte has plus more. And it doesn't, it's not like it adds any sort of, um, file size to anything. So there's really, there's almost no reason to just pick up Svelte and use it unless you're adding functionality to an already existing website. In which case, uh, using like adding Svelte to an already existing website to do some little like web app inside of it is a very real, real functionality for Svelte. But other than that, I really don't see a reason to use Svelte over SvelteKit because both of them are built by the same team and SvelteKit is just a more complete package in my honest opinion. It's, it's again, I, I, I make the comparison to Next.js and Nuxt because it has pretty much feature parity to them, if not exact feature parity, right? So <laughs> I really, that, that, that's something I, I kind of wanted to really hammer, hammer down is when you're learning Svelte, just know that the next step almost right away would be to go into Svelte Kit and it's not going to be a massive change or anything like that. The file structure is slightly different. We're talking like tiny, tiny bit different. But once you, once you kind of make that change, you'll start to understand, oh, I can, 
I can just have a pages folder where I put my, you know, Svelte files and it'll automatically route using the slash mechanism. I don't have to build my router from scratch like you do with Svelte. Um, it just makes those little things that you don't want to do yourself a lot easier. The other thing uh, is it obviously has feature parity with all the major frameworks on, on the web. Uh, and I, I kind of put an asterisk to the web side of things because lately I've been talking to a lot of smart people out there. One of them actually being Theo. He was on the podcast recently and he brought up a really good point that um, the reason React doesn't handle UI a lot and the reason that there's something like JSX that handles the UI side of React, which is kind of almost separate from React is because React is really the logic for the, the conditional, the reactivity of your of your uh, project. So it handles when something changes, it'll give you a new, like a, a hook for that. When something happens, when you get like a response from a server, it'll give you a hook from that. It handles the communication of data, the, the uh, communication of the user and your website. It handles that logic for you. And really separate from the DOM or separate from the web, you can actually use React in stuff like React Native because of the fact that it's completely decoupled from the DOM. So the reason I say that Svelte has feature parity of major frameworks for the web is because Svelte can't do that. So that is a positive of React, I, I want to clarify. Uh, but if you're only building a web app or a website, everything that React can do, Svelte can definitely do. So they have feature parity. So I just wanted to give that distinction because it's something that I found really interesting. Uh, and it gave me, it gave me a new fresh perspective on why React is so powerful, but it doesn't negate from the fact that Svelte is able to do a lot. And it does it, in my opinion, simpler and better than what React does for the web. Another thing here is uh, SvelteKit Prefetch. I just wanted to kind of point out a little feature here. Uh, there's plenty of those little features that exist in Svelte or even other frameworks, in fact. But really, a really interesting feature for me is this tag that you can put on any anchor tag. So you have like an anchor tag that loads another page for your website, like the about page. All you have to do is put SvelteKit colon prefetch on that tag in the HTML. And what it does is anytime a user hovers over your link, it starts to prefetch that link in the background. So when they click on it, it gives you that split second to already download the, the site or start downloading the site and be ahead in, in the loading game. So it, it makes your site more responsive by adding just one little simple tag, nothing else. It's a really cool little quality of life feature that you can use across the entire project to make your project feel substantially faster, even though you've only added one little tag to a bunch of eight tags and that's it. One little, like a couple words. Um, for mobile, it also does it based on the tap. So instead of waiting for the tap, for the let go of the screen, it starts loading it immediately as you tap. And then when you let go, it'll actually go to the page. So it does have a, a slight benefit in mobile and has a, a more, maybe a more of a benefit on, uh, on desktop. And it's just, again, it's one of those things that Imagine building that in straight JavaScript. Yes, totally doable, but it's not going to be one tag. It's going to be lines upon lines of code and then a bunch of lines of testing and a bunch of lines of, of uh, conditional stuff like maybe you don't want to do it or whatever. Like There's going to be a significant amount of code development just for that one little feature. So I wanted to kind of bring it up. Another thing is Svelte stores. So state management is usually a complex topic. If you've ever used Redux in React, uh, Vuex in Vue, or any other state management library in Angular or whatever, 
you're going to know that it takes some time to set up. It takes some time to uh, write those getters, setters. It takes some time to then import it and use it <coughs> and, and then uh, notify that your your store changed and then automatically react to that change. Like there's a lot to a state management store that is needed to be handled, even if you have a really good state management library. With Svelte, first of all, state management is built in. There's stores built into Svelte made by first party. And second of all, it's very simple to use. Like it's literally, I've used, again, I've used Redux, I've used Vuex. Vuex is better than Redux, in my opinion, and it was fairly okay to use. But in terms of complexity, it's still 10 times as complex as a Svelte store. Like, I don't even think about setting up a Svelte store because it's literally like two lines of code to set it up and then one line to use. Like, you don't have to do anything to use other than import the variable you want to use and then use a dollar sign when you want it to react automatically when you're declaring it. That's it. As soon as you use a dollar sign on the variable that you declare as a store variable, it knows that, hey, this is a store variable, quote unquote global or whatever. If it changes, I'll change the UI for you. Svelte already knows that and does all the handshaking, <coughs> does all the uh, garbage collection, uh, destroys it, destroys the store on destroy of components, everything. Just dollar sign. It's it, it it feels like magic because I've again I've gone through many steps of uh, having to set up a, a store manually, but really it's again it's one of those things that's built into Svelte, and that's not to say that you can't make a more complex store in Svelte that does a lot of checking and that that is more manual. You can rewrite the whole store yourself. But you can still piggyback on the functionality that I was just talking about if you need something quick. Let me and ask you a with, question. I got yeah, one go question ahead. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're talking about a lot of, you know, sort of, I would call them, or I guess you call them as well, magic lines of code where you do one line of code, a couple lines of code, and it does quite a bit of stuff, right? It yes. does quite a bit of complexity. How is this, or have you experienced this maybe, but how is this when it comes to updates? Because obviously, if things are very complex in the background with just one line of code, how how are updates handled? Are you really in trouble when Svelte has a big upgrade or update? Do you have to sort of upgrade your site a lot with these sort of quote unquote magic things happening? Like, what's the what's the situation there? So that's a really good question. Um, 99% of the time an update will happen and you won't notice. Um, oh, but wow. there is, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really good. There is a 1% time where you're using this tiny little functionality and all of a sudden the update changed it. Now, usually the update change log will tell you breaking feature, please update. And here's how you do it. Right. So there is a direct line on how to update. Okay. If there is a breaking feature and it's usually very simple, like literally copy paste or something like that, or, you know, find and replace that's happened before. But as I've been using it uh, for the last six months or so, Svelte, I've never had a breaking change. There has been one in that six month period that has been introduced. It's just not to me, like I didn't use the functionality, so it wasn't a problem. Um there was one in that six month period that was a quote unquote breaking change. And it was literally like a find and replace fix. That's not too bad. Um, I read a, I read an article a while ago that was saying how 
how a lot of websites are automatically pulling. So this is like a little off topic, but kind of on topic as well. Again, they automatically pull the latest package. So the NPM down the latest package of whatever they're using, right? Whatever it's a social media plugin or whatever it is, whatever package it is. They automatically do that all the time. And I, I always thought that was kind of weird. That's not, is that how you're supposed to do things in production? Cause apparently no. a lot of websites do that in production. And I would say, NPM is sort of should be treated, in my opinion, not that I have a lot of exposure to NPM, so take this with a massive grain of salt, but I would treat it the same way I'd treat WordPress, where I don't really upgrade WordPress too much, and especially the plugins, because like I will update them in the, in an appropriate amount of time. I don't do it every day because there's updates come out every day, um, not for everything, obviously, but I'm not going to do it every day. I'll do it when it's needed and I'll test them out and then I'll ship it. Like I wouldn't just automatically pull them all down. That, that seems too uh, risky. Like, what do yes. you think? So that's a really good topic to talk about actually, because something recently happened where that kind of came into fruition. Um, I think, I don't think a lot of websites are downloading the latest package on load of the website with the server. So like if someone, if a client comes onto the website it automatically gives them the latest package. I don't think that's happening very often, but what's, what is happening very often is every time that you do an update to the site, it'll automatically download all of the latest updates to your website because you have next next to the uh, version name. So as soon as you put next to next to the package in the pa- package.json file, what it'll do is it'll always update it every time you run an NPM install or a yarn. And you don't want to do that Unless you have a very good system in place, like you said, where every time that you <coughs> perform an update, you have a full test suite and you have a full test suite of users that, or, or you have a, you have a test user base that goes and tests before you deploy to production. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely, if you, especially if you're using a lot of packages, there's definitely a chance that one of those packages can break something. One of those packages can have a security issue. You shouldn't be updating every package willy-nilly without any testing. You should be updating your packages pretty consistently because of security issues and updates are important for packages. But every time you do an update, it should be very mindful and direct and deliberate and then very thoroughly tested and then put out. Now, I say this in the ideal case because that's the ideal. In the real world, everyone's under extreme amount of stress there's not enough money. There's not enough time. So it happens all the freaking time that you update your website. You, a package updates randomly that you set a next, next to, and it breaks your website. That happens more often than you would think. Um, and again, there's not really much you can counteract with that other than literally going into your package.json file and removing all the nexts and finding the, the version that works for you and putting it beside it. But then making sure that you, when you do your updates, you do them deliberately. So instead of going, like, go, go to your um, package.json file and maybe update them manually or something like that in there. So it's a tough thing. Like, it's a tough balance because on the one hand, you don't want to update to maintain stability. But on the other hand, you for sure want to have some updates to make sure that your security is up to date. Because if you're using a lot of NPM packages, there's a chance that some of them can be exploited. Well, the thing that the thing that sucks too, like even if we talk about something that a lot of us have, have experienced, which is 
you know, maintaining WordPress plugins. Like WordPress plugins, the reason why I bring this particular situation up is that they're notoriously uh, overused. And a lot of people will just really, really, really install a lot of plugins, sometimes hundreds of plugins. Um, hopefully that situation's rare, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of plugins. Uh, and, and a plugin kind of gets installed for everything on WordPress. Oh, I need a social like media bar. Let's download that. Oh, you know, it would be nice to have this and that. And, and, and it, it's not very mindful, especially while designing the site on WordPress and using, using WordPress to create a site. It's not very mindful at the time that, there's a maintenance, um, there's a maintenance, uh, what would you call it? Cost to this. There's a maintenance expense to this. So every single time that you do something, uh, it could, it really could screw things up. Like we, we recently, I'm not going to call out the specific plugin, but last year we were working with a particular plugin where in the patch notes, they literally said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing from memory, something along the lines of like completely rewrote the code base. And then when we were using it, we, it didn't work. It just kept redirecting and redirecting and redirecting the homepage. And I was like, well, this is broken. And so I think I found one case in which they were talking to the person and they were like, oh, no, 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 like, like this update doesn't break that. And I was thinking to myself, like, how do you know that if you completely rewrote the code base? I understand that you've tested this and that, but like when I disable your plugin, it, it's broken. It doesn't work. Now, whether it's a two or three pronged thing where I'm using a, two other different plugins that when, when in combination with this plugin, it breaks that and, you know, whatever, there's like this, you know, there's obviously this, this, again, that technical debt, that huge amount of, uh, maintenance expense, as I've been talking about when it comes to adding plugin upon plugin upon plugin. But it's virtually impossible for them to test everything and get the update out within a certain, within a, certain, a reasonable amount of time because this particular plugin was rather complex. It also changed some of the features. So we had to do some stuff in the menus, which is no big deal, but we had to do it. And then also it had this redirect issue that wasn't reported anywhere. And it's sort of like if somebody's not someone doesn't know what a code base is, which is totally reasonable on WordPress. A lot of people don't even know what coding is when they when they use WordPress. They're just using it as a CMS. They're going to think, well, like, why isn't this working? They're not going to know. They're going to probably Google it, not understand it, and that's it. But when I saw, hey, the code base has been rewritten, I, my first thing is, well, we're not going to update this plugin until they get another patch out because it, it breaks it. It breaks into my testing. And sure enough, one, two updates down the line, we update it and it works all of a sudden. So it's, you know, it's like, it, it, it's one of those games where, <laughs> the the thing that's lessening the complexity for the user or even the coder, which is the NPM package, or in this case, the plugin, the actual plugin or NPM package itself is complex. Now we have multiple complexities, meaning multiple packages and multiple plugins. All of these things are now adding complexity to the overall product. The actual product itself is complex because it needed a bunch of these plugins, which add complexity, but l- makes the complexity less. Do you see what's happening here? Like the technical debt is adding and it's like moving and it's getting larger and it's manipulating and it's just, it's chaos. If you're a gamer at all, you know that games release buggy as hell. Now, sometimes that's, sometimes it's like a little bug where they do a big update and it's like, hey, this this thing, you know, this slipped through the cracks. Sometimes it's real, real bad where the main menu doesn't work and that's kind of unacceptable, but like, and it's not even an update. It's like the first version. The thing just came out. The menu doesn't work or something like that. It's like, guys, you didn't turn on your game. Come on. Uh, but like, there's a, there's this, there's this massive technical complexity and massive technical debt. Hopefully I'm using that term correctly. That comes with everything. And it's, uh, it's a complex world out there. <laughs> it's a complex world that is run by money and time is money. 
So it's uh, just to kind of like reiterate Mike's point. It's uh, it's chaos. <laughs> it's just chaos out there. Yeah, it is chaos and you have to balance it and <laughs> you have to figure out if packages are the way to go sometimes too. Like I, I've become very hesitant to reach for a package lately, uh, especially like an NPM package. A lot of the times, some of my later latest builds, uh, I've actually gone to downloading the packages and using them locally and kind of keeping it like that. And these are simple ones that don't have any potential to have security issues. I and mean, nothing that connects to like a network or anything like that. So I, I'm more confident in doing that. And then I know that there's no way they'll update and break something, right? So I do take some risk on myself there because if the browser all of a sudden, you know, stops working off a certain feature that's in that package, I have to go back and manually do the inst- like the the changes and stuff like that to it. But um, it is what it is. I, I'd rather take that risk than, again, having it auto-update and break everything and then having to go back and do all the other stuff. So having said that... Um, I just want to talk about like the last couple things here, which is animations. Animations are really, really good with Svelte. Uh, you can do a lot of custom animations and a lot of built-in animations. So there's a lot of ones that kind of like fade-ins, fade-outs, uh, and easing is all kind of done for you. So there's a lot you can do simpl- simply, and there's a lot you can do under the hood as well, where you can do some really complex stuff without having to add third-party animation libraries, which I really like. We just talked about it with Matt. We, you don't want to keep adding libraries that you don't need. And Svelte kind of gives you that out of the box as well. <clears throat> and the last thing I want to say is probably the most important for me is that Svelte takes a back seat to actual logic writing. So it allows me to focus more on the business logic and the reactive logic and the actual writing of JavaScript code rather than screwing around with the proper syntax of how I'm, am I going to make this variable more reactive or how am I going to make this variable update and this variable not update and stuff like that. Like I don't worry about that stuff anymore, which is what I used to worry about a little bit more with Vue and a lot with React. I worry straight on how am I going to make this website work the way I want it to work. It's a little bit difficult to explain, but I've had this explained to me a couple times with Svelte people. And I'm now starting to understand it that literally I, I almost forget that I'm using Svelte because it fades into the background. Now, having said that, let's move on quickly here to <coughs> major Svelte milestones. So a lot of really good stuff has happened in the past year to Svelte. So I'm only going to talk about the past year. Uh, Svelte Git came out of, uh, went into beta on March 2020, 2021. So before that, it was kind of like an alpha and testing mode. It's now full beta and it's now approaching final release. We don't have a date, but it is approaching final release. I would say, and I have used SvelteKit is ready for production. I haven't found any breaking issues. Maybe in some edge cases there are for sure because it's still a beta, but I haven't seen any issues. So I'm using it in production myself. Uh, and I would... I would confidently suggest other people to do the same because of my experience with it and others that I've talked to. I have enough of a Svelte community at this point to know that I'm not the only one. And uh, it's just a little bit easier for me to recommend it because I've been able to talk to people that have not only contributed to Svelte, but have used Svelte on major sites much bigger than I have used. The other thing is Rich Harris, the creator of Svelte, joined Vercel, which is a really awesome company that does uh, serverless deployment 
for front ends and including serverless functions for back ends. Uh, Vercel is also the creator of Svelte's biggest competitor, SvelteKit's biggest competitor, which is Next.js. So initially when I heard this, this was like, oh my God, are they buying Rich Harris? Or are they buying SvelteKit to kind of stop it from competing with Next? But from everything that's come out, what they're actually doing is they're not buying Svelte. Svelte is open source. It's not buyable. They're, they're using, they're paying Rich Harris, who was before with the New York Times, had a full-time job and was doing Svelte on the side. They're paying him to fully focus his attention on Svelte and SvelteKit because they want to kind of, they, they want to promote the competition. They want to, they want it to be integrated into fully into Vercel's ecosystem as well, which it already kind of is. Um, I've already used SvelteKit with Vercel. It's very, very easy to set up. They have kind of like a, uh, a plugin for it. So they just kind of are doing a solid essentially for the Svelte community by giving giving Rich Harris this time to work on it and to expand it. And it's already kind of paying dividends. Like updates have started to come faster. Uh, there's there's talk of expanding the Svelte team to even more people and having more monetary compensation for that uh, and stuff like that. So there is a lot of positives coming out of this Vercel partnership, which is really interesting to me. It's kind of a first of its kind because, again, this is just – they're hiring an open source developer to work on their open source project. There's some other stuff that he's going to be responsible for, but really so far, as far as I can tell, he's just working on Svelte under the Vercel brand name. Another thing is Svelte was voted top, top in developer satisfaction by Stack Overflow users. And I can understand why, again, like I've mentioned before, all that stuff that why Svelte is awesome. There's a lot of good reasons for that. Uh, it's just fun to use compared to the other frameworks. It's closer to JavaScript, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really cool piece of tooling for developers. It feels like, honestly, it feels like kind of a next step for web development in general, rather than being an addition to it. It's like, uh, hey, this should be built into almost the JavaScript, or these features should be built in so that you don't even have to download Svelte. And the last thing here is StackBlitz, which is a dev container company, and I'll explain that in a second added SvelteKit as a, as a possible container. So we've all kind of, or some of us have used probably CodePen. We've used, uh, we've used like internet-based IDEs where you can go into a web browser and write code and uh, have it compile and stuff like that. There, there's stuff like that uh, that exists. Um, like I said, the, uh, stack, uh, not Stack Overflow, but um, CodePen, CodePen, sorry, my bad. Uh, so CodePen and uh, th there's other ones like that out there. StackBlitz is an evolution of that. It actually uses web containers to be able to simulate a Node.js environment locally. So a lot of these other companies that do this actually just have like servers that run the code and then just have an interface, a, a web interface for that server. And so the, if there's no internet, obviously you can't run your code. You can't write your code. With StackBlitz, it actually can work offline because it just uses the Chrome engine and it uses web containers to simulate a containerized Node.js environment. So you're able to install NPM packages, you're able to use Webpack or Vit inside of your web browser in a container securely without having to download an IDE. And what that allows you to do and what's something that I've done multiple times is um, if there's an issue, for instance, on GitHub, or on a package, 
and you need to demonstrate it instead of <clears throat> showing them like a GitHub repo or getting them to build build the files themselves. You can actually share a StackBlitz container with someone and all they have to do is click on the link and it'll locally run all the files that you need them to run, including all your code, without having to access your file system. So it's a safe way to test out code. It's a safe way to write code. It's a safe way to test out like dangerous packages potentially. It's a really, really cool piece of technology. Honestly, everyone should check out, take a look at StackBlitz. Uh, there's a some really good developers there as well that I've been talking to. Like it's it's a really interesting piece of tech and it's something new that's coming up fast in the web development, especially for 2022. And again, they added Svelte Kit for one of the containers. So you're able to do a full Svelte Kit, which is usually, you know, requires Node and backend and API routes and stuff like that fully inside the browser. Really interesting piece. And uh, with that, let's move on to the community spotlight. So I want to, again, like I've said earlier, I have kind of this community of Svelte developers around me now, and I wanted to spotlight a few of them because there's some really cool stuff. There's some really cool tools that you can use in Svelte. Uh, I have four here that I'm going to talk about, but there's a lot more that I could say. I'm just going to do that for time purposes. First thing here is Puru, uh, Twitter Twitter user. Uh, I'll, I'll link him in the in the show notes. So if you want to check him out, again, it's Puru. Uh, he's built a macOS clone using Svelte. So I think he started it in React and then all of it like switched to Svelte and uh, fully rebuilt it. And it's it's pretty damn cool. I don't know, Matt, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. Like it's it's got the animations. It's got like even some of the apps built out. It's really slick. It's really, really fast. And it's fully built in Svelte. And in fact, <laughs> I was just talking about SnackBlitz because of this project, because he built it out and it's so clean. Like it's honestly really, really well done. He actually got hired by StackBlitz. Oh, wow. So yeah, really, really cool uh, kind of story and link there. But it's another one of those scenarios where like, he was, he's young. I think he's only like 20. Uh, he just put a lot of time effort into building something, building it clean, building it in public. And that led directly to a really good job with a really interesting company. And again, built in Svelte, really interesting application, macOS-web.app. If you want to check it out, the link will be in the show notes. I'm, I'm trying it out. It's, uh, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat, right? Like it's, a, it's not like a little joke. Uh, I think we, like Matt, you were mentioning about building something like this at some point, right? Yeah, um, kind of like uh, there's, a demo. There's a PWA. Sorry to cut you off there, but there's a PWA. It says your app available. Yeah, dude. Every, everything is like he's put a lot of uh, put a lot of power into this or a lot of time. Like, look at the animation for the bar. I know Apps people can't see soon. it. Yeah, people can't see it, but like, damn. Uh, he's also building a iOS version in Svelte. So there's uh, he, he's a really cool guy. He's a really cool developer. I highly recommend checking him out. So. Another, another developer that's awesome, Scott Spence. Uh, I think he's a developer advocate for, or even just a developer for Graph CMS. Um, really interesting headless CMS project. He actually took and rebuilt the HTML all the things website with SvelteKit. And it's not, he didn't rebuild it like exactly the same. He built it in his own kind of style. Um, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. I haven't even sent it to Matt. I was gonna, I saw that wait. though. No, I, I checked it out. Um, you did, you did check it out. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what you would expect from like a, like an RSS reader almost like it shows the stories more or less. Like it's like focus on the stories. Yeah. Um, it's focused the on the part. stories. Yeah, exactly. But it has all the kind of major elements, the markdown, uh, markdown to HTML conversion and has like the major pieces of the site that you would want. And he just 
took a couple of days or an afternoon or something like that, rebuilt it in Svelte kits. So I wanted to give him a shout out because he's a big Svelte evangelist. Uh, he's one of the people that's taught me a lot about Svelte, in fact. So I wanted to give him a shout out. And obviously for the fact that he rebuilt like the HTML all the things website, I didn't ask that's him cool. to do it. I got a random message uh, on the weekend being like, hey, I, I just rebuilt the HTML thing website with Svelte kit. I'm like, what? Seriously? Anyway, oh so. man, even the even the full like uh, the full show notes like they got That's the little saying, yeah, they got like, the availability yeah, bar in here and yeah, it's got prefetch really? in there. Like it's it's got a lot of the features of Svelte in general. I'll I'll, I'll link the HTML things uh, the 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 actual website as well as the GitHub because I think it's really important for people to come go in and see how it's done. I specifically asked him for the code just so I could see it and see how poor my code is compared to him. So what? that was interesting. I mean, like my code is in, in Svelte, not our HTML, the things. So. Oh, I was going to say, you make making fun of me. It's it's Webflow. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm not making fun of Webflow. Webflow is good. Uh, so the other the other tool, this is more of a tool for Svelte and, and Tailwind more, more than Svelte. But it's something that I've seen a lot of Svelte people use because it's really easy to integrate is Daisy UI. So it's kind of like, um, I, I, I want to say it's not a bootstrap, but it's more of a UI library so you're able to pull like hey this is a card or this is a form element or hey i want to theme my my website and stuff like that based on this theme so you're able to pull those individual elements out and use them in your website that are already built fully functional in tailwind css but with full support for svelte as well i know some of these ui libraries are a little bit more framework centric so like some of them are react only some of them are react and view and stuff like that there isn't a lot available for Svelte, which is why I wanted to point out that Daisy UI works really great with Svelte and Tailwind. And I've been using it for some side projects, the weekly growth goals. I was using it a lot in there, uh, stuff like that. So it's a really cool project. Puya is the developer. Again, it's going to be in the, uh, in the show notes, but with the link to their Twitter profiles, as well as the site, Daisy UI. And last but not least is Svelte Sirens. So it's a community that was launched by Brittany Postman, I think. Uh, let me just uh, clarify or verify that just so I'm not saying it wrong. Postma. So Brittany Postma launched a Svelte community for or a society for women, non-binary people and allies called Svelte Sirens. They do talks. They kind of collaborate with for Svelte projects. Uh, and they're a big part of Svelte at this point. They're a big part of the Svelte community. And Brittany herself is a great person. She, she also has her own podcast. I'll link that in the show notes as well, just to collaborate a little bit with the Svelte community. There's just a lot, from what I've seen, a lot of positivity around Svelte. And I'll continue to kind of highlight the projects that I like and the people that I like and the people that are contributing to it, uh, because I want to I want to promote it as much as I can while I'm using it and while it's a really good product uh, to make sure that maybe not only is it going to be a great developer experience, it's going to be part of the job market as well. Because one of the biggest negatives that I would say about Svelte is the fact that if you look on your job board, it's going to be one of the fewest amount of jobs available for directly Svelte. But I think that's going to change slowly. I don't think it's going to take React down. People have been claiming that I'm not there yet uh, because React is kind of a first mover advantage and it's really entrenched and it's still really good. Like there's nothing really that wrong with React. So it's, it's tough to take it down. So but in terms of market share, in terms of people switching to it, I think it's going to start happening more and more. Um, and it's something that I want to try to kind of promote as much as I can. 
Yeah, and uh, and I'm sure you'll put a bunch of the links uh, to the com- various community spotlights uh, projects and such in the show notes, uh, as for the usual as well. But uh, I guess it is a time to end. So I hope you enjoyed this svelte packed episode. And if you enjoy episodes like this, remember we are on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/html. The things check out the tiers and give that a go. Many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons: Sean from Rabbitworks JavaScript on YouTube.com/slash Rabbitworks JavaScript, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on BlueBlackDigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on SelfmadeWebDesigner.com, Tim from the Web Hack on the webhacker.com dl ford from dl4.io bib hashdash on nine block media on nineblockmedia.com and jason from geek life radio via geekliferadio.com michael curie from mc web studio via mcwebstudio.ca magnus from yesweb via yesweb.se and jeff from twitter via at the jeff McHale. feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform that you are listening to this on and we are signing off been listening to html all the things podcast web development web design and small business we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings and we hope you had some fun we'll be back soon but in the meantime hit us up on social media on facebook instagram and patreon at html all the things and on twitter at html everything until next time this is html all the things signing off.